Hello, this is Jeff Barnum reading the Supreme Court Opinion Syllabus in Groff v. DeJoy, Postmaster General, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. Argued April 18th, 2023. Decided June 29th, 2023. Petitioner Gerald Groff is an evangelical Christian who believes, for religious reasons, that Sunday should be devoted to worship and rest. In 2012, Groff took a mail delivery job with the United States Postal Service. Groff's position generally did not involve Sunday work, but that changed after USPS agreed to begin facilitating Sunday deliveries for Amazon. To avoid the requirement to work Sundays on a rotating basis, Groff transferred to a rural USPS station that did not make Sunday deliveries. After Amazon deliveries began at that station as well, Groff remained unwilling to work Sundays, and USPS redistributed Groff's Sunday deliveries to other USPS staff. Groff received progressive discipline for failing to work on Sundays, and he eventually resigned. Groff sued under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, asserting that USPS could have accommodated his Sunday Sabbath practice without undue hardship on the conduct of USPS's business. 42 United States Code, Section 2000E, Sub J the District Court granted summary judgment to USPS. The Third Circuit affirmed based on this Court's decision in Transworld Airlines Incorporated v. Hardison, 432 U.S. 63, a Supreme Court case from 1977, which it construed to mean that requiring an employer to bear more than a de minimis cost to provide a religious accommodation is an undue hardship. The Third Circuit found the de minimis cost standard met here, concluding that exempting Groff from Sunday work had imposed on his co-workers, disrupted the workplace and workflow, and diminished employee morale. Held, Title VII requires an employer that denies a religious accommodation to show that the burden of granting an accommodation would result in substantial increased cost in relation to the conduct of its particular business. This case presents the Court's first opportunity in nearly 50 years to explain the contours of Hardison. The background of that decision helps to explain the Court's disposition of this case. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 made it unlawful for covered employers to fail or refuse to hire or to discharge any individual or otherwise to discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment because of such individual's religion. As originally enacted, Title VII did not spell out what it meant by discrimination because of a religion. Subsequent regulations issued by the EEOC obligated employers to make reasonable accommodations to the religious needs of employees, whenever doing so would not create undue hardship on the conduct of the employer's business. In 1970, however, the Sixth Circuit held that Title VII did not require an employer to accede to or accommodate a Sabbath religious practice, because to do so would raise grave Establishment Clause questions. Dewey v. Reynolds Metals Company, 429 F. 2nd, 324. This court affirmed Dewey by an evenly divided vote. Congress responded by amending Title VII in 1972 to track the EEOC's regulatory language and to clarify that employers must reasonably accommodate an employee's or prospective employee's religious observance or practice, unless the employer is unable to do so without undue hardship on the conduct of the employer's business. 
partisan concerned an employment dispute that arose prior to the 1972 amendments to Title VII. In 1967, Transworld Airlines hired Larry Hardison to work in a department that operated 24 hours per day, 365 days per year, and played an essential role for TWA by providing parts needed to repair and maintain aircraft. Hardison later underwent a religious conversion and began missing work to observe the Sabbath. Initial conflicts with Hardison's work schedule were resolved, but conflicts resurfaced when he transferred to another position in which he lacked the seniority to avoid work during his Sabbath. Attempts at accommodation failed, and TWA discharged Hardison for insubordination. Hardison sued TWA and his union, and the Eighth Circuit sided with Hardison. The Eighth Circuit found that reasonable accommodations were available to TWA and rejected the defendant's Establishment Clause arguments. This court granted certiorari. TWA's petition for certiorari asked this court to decide whether the 1972 amendment of Title VII violated the Establishment Clause as applied by the Eighth Circuit, particularly insofar as that decision had approved an accommodation that allegedly overrode seniority rights granted by the relevant collective bargaining agreement. At the time, some thought that the court's now abrogated decision in Lemon v. Kurtzman, 403 U.S. 602, a Supreme Court case from 1971, which adopted a test under which any law whose principal or primary effect was to advance religion was unconstitutional, posed a serious problem for the 1972 amendment of Title VII. Ultimately, however, constitutional concerns play no onstage role in the court's decision in Hardison. Instead, the court's opinion stated that the principal issue on which TWA and the union came to this court was whether Title VII requires an employer and a union who have agreed on a seniority system to deprive senior employees of their seniority rights in order to accommodate a junior employee's religious practices. The court held that Title VII imposed no such requirement. This conclusion, the court found, was supported by the fact that seniority systems are afforded special treatment under Title VII itself. Applying this interpretation of Title VII and disagreeing with the Eighth Circuit's evaluation of the factual record, the court identified no way in which TWA, without violating seniority rights, could have feasibly accommodated Hardison's request for an exemption from work on his Sabbath. The parties had not focused on determining when increased costs amount to undue hardship under Title VII separately from the seniority issue. But the court's opinion in Hardison contained this oft-quoted sentence, To require TWA to bear more than a de minimis cost in order to give Hardison Saturdays off is an undue hardship. Although many lower courts later viewed this line as the authoritative interpretation of the statutory term undue hardship, the context renders that reading doubtful. In responding to Justice Marshall's dissent, the court described the governing standard quite differently, stating three times that accommodation is not required when it entails substantial costs or expenditures. Even though Hardison's reference to de minimis was undercut by conflicting language and was fleeting in comparison to its discussion of the principal issue of seniority rights, lower courts have latched on to de minimis as the governing standard. To be sure, many courts have understood that the protection for religious adherence is greater than more than de minimis might suggest when read in isolation. But diverse religious groups tell the court that the de minimis standard has been used to deny even minor accommodations. 
the EEOC has also accepted Hardison as prescribing a more-than-de-minimis cost test, though it has tried to soften its impact, cautioning against extending the phrase to cover such things as the administrative costs involved in reworking schedules, the infrequent or temporary payment of premium wages for a substitute, and voluntary substitutes and swaps when they are not contrary to a bona fide seniority system. Yet some courts have rejected even the EEOC's gloss on de minimis, rejecting accommodations the EEOC's guidelines consider to be ordinarily required. The court agrees with the Solicitor General that Hardison does not compel courts to read the more than de minimis standard literally or in a manner that undermines Hardison's references to substantial cost. The court holds that showing more than a de minimis cost as that phrase is used in common parlance does not suffice to establish undue hardship under Title VII. Hardison cannot be reduced to that one phrase. In describing an employer's undue hardship defense, Hardison referred repeatedly to substantial burdens, and that formulation better explains the decision. The court understands Hardison to mean that undue hardship is shown when a burden is substantial in the overall context of an employer's business. This fact-specific inquiry comports with both Hardison and the meaning of undue hardship in ordinary speech. To determine what an employer must prove to defend a denial of a religious accommodation under Title VII, the court begins with Title VII's text. The statutory term hardship refers to, at a minimum, something hard to bear, and suggests something more severe than a mere burden. If Title VII said only that an employer need not be made to suffer a hardship, an employer could not escape liability simply by showing that an accommodation would impose some sort of additional costs. Adding the modifier undo means that the requisite burden or adversity must rise to an excessive or unjustifiable level. Understood in this way, undue hardship means something very different from a burden that is merely more than de minimis, i.e. very small or trifling. The ordinary meaning of undue hardship thus points towards a standard closer to Hardison's references to substantial additional costs or substantial expenditures. Further, the court's reading of the statutory term comports with pre-1972 EEOC decisions, so nothing in that history plausibly suggests that undue hardship in Title VII should be read to mean anything less than its meaning in ordinary use. And no support exists in other factors discussed by the parties for reducing Hardison to its more than a de minimis cost line. The parties agree that the de minimis test is not right, but they differ in the alternative language they propose. The court thinks it is enough to say that what an employer must show is that the burden of granting an accommodation would result in substantial increased cost in relation to the conduct of its particular business. Courts must apply the test to take into account all relevant factors in the case at hand, including the particular accommodations at issue and their practical impact in light of the nature, size, and operating cost of an employer. The court declines to adopt the elaborations of the applicable standard that the party suggest, either to incorporate Americans with Disabilities Act case law or opine that the EEOC's construction of Hardison has been basically correct. A good deal of the EEOC's guidance in this area is sensible and will, in all likelihood, be unaffected by the court's clarifying decision. But it would not be prudent to ratify in toto a body of EEOC interpretation that has not had the benefit of the clarification the court adopts today. What is most important is that undue hardship in Title VII means what it says, 
and courts should resolve whether a hardship would be substantial in the context of an employer's business in the common-sense manner that it would use in applying any such test. The court also clarifies several recurring issues. First, as the parties agree, Title VII requires an assessment of a possible accommodation's effect on the conduct of the employer's business. Impacts on coworkers are relevant only to the extent those impacts go on to affect the conduct of the business. A court must analyze whether that further logical step is shown. Further, a hardship that is attributable to employee animosity to a particular religion, to religion in general, or to the very notion of accommodating religious practice, cannot be considered undue. Bias or hostility to a religious practice or accommodation cannot supply defense. Second, Title VII requires that an employer reasonably accommodate an employee's practice of religion, not merely that it assess the reasonableness of a particular possible accommodation or accommodations. Faced with an accommodation request like Groff's, an employer must do more than conclude that forcing other employees to work overtime would constitute an undue hardship. Consideration of other options would also be necessary. Having clarified the Title VII undue hardship standard, the court leaves the context-specific application of that clarified standard in this case to the lower courts in the first instance. Vacated and remanded. Justice Alito delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. Justice Sotomayor filed a concurring opinion in which Justice Jackson joined. Thank you for listening. If you wish to communicate with the podcast, please email us at scotusdecisions at gmail.com. Please help us by rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening to us for these decisions in OT 2022. We'll be back with the decisions of the Supreme Court in their own words after the first Monday in October. We'll see you then.